Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. Best day ever. We are coaches, trainers, retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, but didn't start our careers doing this. Jason worked in public accounting, and I worked in corporate retail until starting our dream business in which we help people from all different industries pursue their best day ever every single day. The goal of this podcast is to interview both each other and other professionals making an impact on the world on how wellness is the fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. This podcast is about teaching people to actively pursue their purpose and how to use self-care to do it. We're here to show you how the best day of our mindset is available to anyone at any time, no matter your circumstance. It's your choice and we're here to encourage you. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and even YouTube. You can also listen to our podcast on www.livebetterco.org. Have the best day ever. Live Better Squad, it is Jason and Brett here with Jennifer Cassetta, and we are super excited to dive into some of the some of the really cool things that Jennifer is working on, um, and she, I, I just want her to to dive into the explanation. She does so many different cool things around empowering people, um, working through different tactics to do so, um, and is in such a good alignment with everything that we talk about um, in regards to mindset as well as actually taking action. Um, she's working on a lot of really cool projects right now that we'll dive into, and she's been doing some really good stuff for a long while. So. Jennifer, we're super excited to have you on. Uh, thanks for taking some time to chat with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys and your and your listeners. Awesome. So let's let's start off with what you're currently doing right now, and then from there we'll start to backpedal into how you created what you have created, and honestly, some of the strategies and things that you work on because it's I think it'll be very um, advantageous for our listeners to to learn about a lot of the things you work on. Sounds good. Um, well, to be completely honest, I'll tell you my COVID struggles. Um, I spent the last four years pivoting my career into really public speaking because I just loved it so much. It's one of those things that I just felt really lit up every time I was doing. Um, and it was going great. And last year was amazing. <laughs> and then, of course, um, COVID strikes and the event industry is basically shut down for all intents and purpose. Um, so I pivot again, but it's all good because I've also ha- I have other things always going on, which is my private coaching business, um, which I'm a health and empowerment coach and clinical nutritionist. So I've been doing that for probably uh, since 2005. Um, so it's always going on in the background, um, but now I'm just uh, leaning into that once again. Um, I also work as a nutritionist for teenagers at a house, um, well, four different houses that uh, basically like treatment centers for kids that have mental health issues. So I'm still doing that during this time as well. And then on my passion project side, I'm writing my book proposal, which, you know, is a very long and wonderful process. I don't know if either of you have been through it, but it's very... um, tedious and it takes a lot of um, commitment to focus on. So that's what I'm working on. That's great. I think, I mean, one of the main things I'm pulling from that is 
you know, this time has been a very interesting time. So uh, obviously Jason and I run retreats. We had one canceled right at the beginning of this and we're probably going to have to cancel our next one. And so, you know, the live experience thing is, 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 was a big part of our business. And I think, you know, one of the things is that's really important is, um, you know, as your health and empowerment coach, as you're teaching mm-hmm. people how to do that is to show that the principles that you're instilling in others are things that we then have to do within ourselves when, when shit hits the fan or when times get tough. So the fact that you've been able to now pivot and work on different projects, like I think is really important as opposed to just saying, oh, well, this is over. Like I have to, right. you know, pack up shop. Um, how have you done that from a routine perspective, um, whether that's through mindfulness meditation um, mm-hmm. or any other tactics to really like give yourself the headspace to understand what's going on, you know, internalize that and then actually be able to take action on that? Yeah, so many ways. That's such a good point. Um, resilience. That's just what the word that just kept coming to me as you were just speaking. Um, resilience is actually chapter one of the book that I'm writing. So it was funny because of, uh, the book is based on a keynote that I had created a few years back called The Art of Badassery. Um, and it walks people through these different steps from white belt to black belt because martial arts is my background. Um, and really, you know, chapter one is about embracing the suck of life. And I've done it lots of times before. So, uh, I do truly believe that the more times that you've been forced to kind of rebuild or, you know, life has just come and knocked you for a loop and you're on your knees and, you know, you're on the bathroom floor, whatever that looks like for you. Um, it's, it's just practice. It's practice because, Things that suck are going to happen. And I'm not trying to say that to be a downer. It's just the reality of life. So um, I truly believe that you build your mental muscles by doing that, by rebuilding, by getting up. Um, You know, I kind of relate it to martial arts. You get knocked down constantly, especially as a white belt. And you're just kind of like on the floor, like stunned the first few times and kind of like, what just happened? But the more that you just get on the mat and do the work you know, you're building those skills to, to be more resilient and handle these times. So yeah, so I've been there before again. Um, so some of the tools that I use is one is just being grateful for, you know, what I do have, because I know it could be so much worse. Like I said in the beginning, like I do have these other sources of income that I can lean into. And I know there are too many people out there that have lost everything right now, lost their all their income. Um, you know, and I just, my heart goes out to them. So I have empathy. Um, so gratitude, empathy, and then absolutely meditation. I think it's, it's changed my life so in so many ways. Um, and especially in building resilience, um, just to know that you can plug into this, whatever you want to call it. Right. I just like, feel like I plug into my higher source, um, source energy, whatever it is. And I can, um, disconnect from the tedious day-to-day problems and challenges and just, and just sit there and be okay with whatever is. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you, I love that you made resiliency chapter one because, and I I feel like obviously you know this, but getting punched and kicked like sucks Mm -hmm. (laughs) and practicing, like taking hits allows you to be a bit more flexible in like no no pun intended but like rolling with the punches like understanding that like to get in the ring like you're gonna get hit 
if you right. get on the mat, like you're going to take bumps and bruises and knocks. Um, and one, I, I actually just finished watching um, Frank Grillo's Netflix special, Fight World, which I, I thought was really cool. Oh, really? Um, he went to different fight cultures all around the world. It was like boxing in Mexico, um, Muay Thai in Thailand. They went into Africa, um, studied Krav in Israel, and he interviewed um, many people from these different cultures and like talking about what fighting means to the culture. Yeah. And at the end of basically every interview and episode and training segment, it was always it never had anything to do with the violence part of it. It had everything to do with how that translates into how that culture handles life and their, their outlook mm -hmm. on it. Um, yeah. and, and like one little kind of like segue I wanted to make away from that is one thing I didn't actually like as much about it was that it was all men that were yeah. in there. And I'm not sure if that's just more common. Um, there were a lot of females, uh, that were profiled in Israel doing Krav, Mm -hmm. But in the actual martial arts side of it, where there was like it was a martial art and not necessarily like a fighting system, there there weren't as many um, females interviewed. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you because I love that you take a women's focus to this. And mm -hmm. I think it it is just so important that women focus on self-defense, that women focus on it just like as a discipline to like get more physical because I feel like culture tells them from an early age that like that's not for them and it's just not not true and there's so much to translate like can you kind of talk about being a female voice coming out of martial arts and then how that pairs with your coaching and speaking business yeah absolutely and i love that you even pointed that out <laughs> um uh yeah it's been interesting you know uh being a woman in a quote unquote man's world right um in the martial arts field but what I am, again, lucky and grateful for is that when I first started martial arts um, in New York City, my, uh, the Dojang was called World Martial Arts Center, still is there. Um, now they're in Brooklyn. But uh, I would say, I don't know about half, but a good majority were women, and especially the, the black belts at the time. So I'm coming in, you know, brand new. I was probably early, early twenties, 22, maybe when I started. And, um, I just remember like walking in and seeing these like fierce women, you know, just kicking ass on the mat and with their black belts on. And it, I was just completely inspired. So I was at that school for 10 years. And then, then I, you know, I basically became one of those women. So it was really awesome, but I was surrounded by support. Um, I never felt like, it was weird that I was a, you know, that I was a woman and I'm training with a bunch of dudes. Like it was, it was totally, you know, mixed gendered, mixed race, you know, center of New York city. So it was just really, really awesome and diverse. Um, as far as the, you know, I'll, I'll say struggle, my challenges, I like to say that better. My challenges around, um, self-defense and being a woman and all that is I, you know, I started these, I started teaching women's self-defense classes, like one-off classes, I would say back in 2009, um, as soon as I was moving out to the West Coast from New York to LA. And it was really difficult to get women that were not involved in martial arts to come to self-defense classes. And I still, to this day, feel that way. Um, you know, I used to 
put out all the marketing and do all the things. And, and when you're speaking to women in person, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I've been wanting to do that for ages. I really should, you know, all the shoulds. Um, I really should take self-defense training. I wouldn't know what to do if I was ever in a bad situation. You know, I've heard it all before. And then the day of, you know, people flake. So I got very um, frustrated over the years. And then I was like, okay, I I need to switch this up a little bit and figure out a way that I can get this message across that every woman, no matter your size, your strength, perceived strength, um, again, your race or anything, uh, you have the power, you have this innate power that you can tap into if you ever need to. Um, So that's when kind of, like I said, about four or five years ago, I started to pivot into making it more less about the physical and more about the mental and emotional self-defense um, and started to do different kinds of talks and keynotes, et cetera. I still do teach the self-defense physical part for groups that want it. Um, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm fighting that uphill battle of trying to like force it on people, if that makes sense. Is there one thing or one common trigger that gets that person that flakes to show up. Yeah. And it's usually when it's something that's happened, that's really scary. Um, so sometimes it's something that, you know, too late kind of thing. Like, and I can always tell back early on when I started teaching these classes, I could just get sent, you know, you can sense people's energy. And I just remember thinking like, for certain women that were there and just their, their energy, either they were very like feeling very afraid or triggered during the trainings, or they just went like full beast mode, like something about their energy. I could just pick up on that. Like something bad has happened to them in the past. And sure enough, the people I identify in my mind after the class was over would always come up to me and and share their stories with me. Um, You know, whether it was just again, being catcalled or followed home one night or all the way up to, you know, sexually assaulted and attacked, you know, somewhere. So, so I've heard it all and, uh, yeah, it's frightening. Yeah. I think it's, it's an unfortunate thing that, um, you know, and it happens to a lot of us. It's, it's a reactive culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jason and I train clients one-on-one and a lot of people come in once they've got injured, they want to feel better as opposed to the preventative side of things. And right. When you go back to when you were, you said your 20s to walk into your uh, place of practice of your martial art, what was, what was it, what inside you fueled you to go there? And what would the advice you would give to that 24, 23 year old woman um, to fuel them to take that step um, to feel confident within themselves? Um, and, and feel like, man, you know what? I could go in there and and hang with whoever's across the mat from me because this is a, this is a proactive state of learning, um, in regards to the mental and physical side of self-defense. And I really like how you kind of talked about both because when my mind goes to self-defense, I think physical, but it's so much of the mental side. Like that is the reason in which like you could have all the physical tools, Mm -hmm. but if you freeze up because you're nervous, like those things are out the window and all it takes is one swift kick, punch or grab and you're on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And 
yeah, I mean, I could go into a million directions right now. We could talk about the three F's of what happens to your body in fear. Um, but you, you, okay. You want me to go back those 10, 10 years ago or sorry, 20, <laughs> 20 years ago. We'll call it 10. We'll call it 10. Okay. <laughs> it's 20. I can't just lose a decade. Of my life. <laughs> um, okay. To be honest, I started, um, training in martial arts. I first was looking for a dojo. I was in New York. Um, living by myself for the first time or still, no, no, no. I was still with my roommates on the Upper East Side and, um, I was really just bored of the gym and I wanted to find something different to do to keep my body fit. Now, granted my father had been in martial arts for probably 10 years before that. So it was like, I had it, I was familiar with it. It wasn't just like this random thing. And it took like, two or three shots, but all of a sudden I found the perfect school. The minute I walked in, like I just knew I was in the right place. Um, you know, people are friendly, no egos. You look around, make sure there's not many like injuries <laughs> and that kind of thing. It just felt comfortable. And then I would say in the first couple of classes that I took, I just immediately started to feel um, all these cool benefits. I wasn't just working out. I was learning a discipline. I was um, getting stronger both mentally, physically, and even spiritually when you add in the meditation and um, the spiritual side of martial arts. It's really a holistic program versus, you know, if you have to go and do strength training at the gym and then you want to go do yoga or meditation and, you know, you have to kind of add all these different things together to get that holistic program for yourself. And not that that's a bad thing. It's great. I encourage people to make sure you do all those holistic things. But um, this was a system that had it all. And it was really cool. So, you know, my advice to people that are, you know, those young women or any age woman that is interested in in what it would be like is go out there and take a class. I know you probably can't right now because of COVID, but um, check out different styles, tech, check out different um, schools in your neighborhood um, and think less about what style is a good fit for me and, and actually just find out which teacher and which school is the right fit for me. Did you start with a specific style? And do you have like, do you, um, uh, do you do mixed now or is it just self-defense for like the purpose of, uh, self-defense? I just, I know some people categorize it different between like, I participate in self-defense and I separate that between like my martial art as a sport. So how do you, how do you think about like your systems? Where did you start and, and how might you layer that on? Should somebody want to continue? Yeah, sure. So my martial art that I studied, um, and trained in and taught is Hapkido. It's a Korean style, and I ch I didn't choose it because I was looking for a Hapkido school. <laughs> um, I chose that school. It was pretty serendipitous, actually. Um, it just happened to be next door to the office that I was working in at the time, and I asked my father's grandmaster, um, who was up in Westchester, about a half hour away, who he recommended. Now he out of the entire Manhattan. He didn't know where I lived. He didn't know where I worked. Out of the entire island of Manhattan, he chose the school that was next door to my work. So I was like, okay, well, that's it. Sign me up. You know, So for me, it wasn't this whole long journey. It was like, oh, perfect. Like It's right next door and I got a recommendation for it. Um, 
but there is a big difference. I, I noticed you said martial sport. Um, there is a difference between martial arts and martial sport. Um, and that's another thing you want to get clear on. There's a lot of, you know, in, I would say in the last 10 plus years, martial sport has become very popular. So that's the like MMA and fighting in cages and all that stuff that I have no interest in. Um, the art is that kind of holistic system that I was referring to earlier. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I, I just asked because like, I, <laughs> I, I am always trying to balance the side of me that like likes the cage part of it. Yeah. And then the side that likes the spiritual part, I think it's been a really interesting journey trying to balance me as like a, I'm at a hundred miles an hour or zero uh-huh. and trying to understand the difference between, okay, I'm doing this for a physical exercise, but then mm-hmm. there are also all these like ancillary benefits, like having better emotional control, having better mental mm-hmm. control, stress release. And that is balancing like a very yin side to what is a very aggressive, obviously physical sport. So I've dabbled in jujitsu for a while, um, found a jujitsu school that I love that was like mm-hmm. next to where I was um, training. Mm-hmm. And then I've taken um, several Krav Maga classes, which I love. Mm-hmm. And those are two very different things because one has rules that govern it and the other is not a sport. It's just like a life system for protecting yourself. Right. And it's, it is interesting, like listening to why you do certain things. Cause one, like you score points doing, and it's a competition. The other one is, has, has nothing to do with that. There are, there are no rules on purpose. Right. And it, it just was, is interesting, like layering those kind of two skills together because we don't have a ton of like really great MMA schools. They're, mm-hmm. they're all kind of disparate. So you are really adding your own skills together. And I think that was great advice that, not to try and find the style you think matches, but to find an, uh, an environment in which you can learn and develop the fastest in because like that's what's going to make yeah. the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I've just, I've walked into too many schools where I just get a gross feeling. I'm like, ugh, I don't, you know, I don't want to train here. And it could be even reasons like, oh my God, it smells like feet so bad. Like I feel I'm going to throw up. Like I've been in those schools. I'm like, nope. Um, then the opposite would be like, I've, I was in a school where it's like, all the black belts were like 10 years old. I was like, nope. Um, so you just, again, really have to find the right balance for you. So it's funny. It's a, it's a good, good practice to, to figure out what, what's right for you. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, which I really liked, was about how um, what you learned in the school you did was very holistic. And it was about um, the mind, the body and the connection. And then one of the other things that you're doing is the nutrition side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that people, people segment different parts of their wellness, um, Mm -hmm. and without really understanding how they all feed into one another. And I think it's Mm -hmm. cool that you studied self-defense, martial art and, and nutrition. Mm -hmm. What, how does nutrition fit in to lifestyle and what are some of the, uh, teachings or philosophies that you use within yourself and the people you work with in regards to nutrition, how it fits in and how it's an integral piece of that holistic approach. Absolutely. I mean, I would say the older I get, the bigger the piece of the pie, I think it is, um, to overall health and wellness. Um, you know, I'm in my forties now, so it's like really becomes 
almost less about the physical and way more about the internal. Um, and, um, okay. So because you keep, you're talking about my martial arts experience, I'm going back, right? So I'm a few years into my training back in New York and I was thinking like, okay, well, you know, I need, in order to perform better here, because now I like love it so much that I don't want to just take one hour class. I want to stay for the next hour class. So it's two hours, right? After work. And I'm like, I need to, you know, I need to eat better. I need to take care of myself better. I need to sleep better, hydrate, all those things. So I became a vegetarian, um, pescatarian, vegetarian, et cetera, first vegetarian. And then I added fish later on, but like I did that pretty much because of my martial arts training. And then about 2004, I went to school, um, Institute for Integrative Nutrition to learn about holistic nutrition. And then later on, went back to school for my master's degree in clinical nutrition um, because I just realized what a huge piece of the pie it was, Not, you know, for performance for sure. But then what I really got so interested in was prevention of disease um, and really just optimal performance. My again, grateful for and lucky to have been brought up in a household that was all about healthy food. My dad, again, was, you know, my dad did martial arts. He was did meditation every day and he ate super, super healthy. So I already had that kind of in my background, but then I got, I wanted to study it obviously so I can pass it along to my clients. And yeah, then- that, I think that that, that is, I think it's, it's an interesting though, like as, you know, as, as we all get older and you start to understand how important it is, like everybody hits this tipping point where like either your low back starts to hurt or you have an injury or pain or discomfort or some like weird diagnosis about something and you realize it's everything that you've put into your body or done yeah. has played a factor in that. I mean, we all get dealt, you know, a genetic card. But mm-hmm. there's so much, and the more research now just around like epigenetics and understanding your environment, not only from a mental space, but a physical space and how that impacts like you, uh, I think is, is super interesting. And one of the things that I've noticed a lot is in regards to, you know, towing the, and it's, it's an interesting conversation of understanding the difference in longevity and performance like if Mm -hmm. you want to perform like at the highest level tomorrow like Mm -hmm. taking a steroid would be great you can lift heavier and great but then the longevity of that is brutal right not sustainable i think it's it's an interesting line to toe because if we're looking for performance and we're also looking for longevity. It's like, how do we start to understand that you can you can actually do things that help with both? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that that's a, you know, it's an interesting conversation because there's obviously certain things. Like if you're looking straight longevity, like you want to live to be 300 years old, <laughs> you're not going to be throwing your body onto a mat and pounding heavy weights and living in a city. You're going to be practicing like very easy and like nice long walks and water fasting and all that stuff. But on the other side of it is we can pull from both of those things to give us like a really fulfilled, fun, active life um, and still live to be like long and healthy at the same time. Right. Yes, absolutely. So you did ask what kind of like my philosophy is for my clients and myself um, is really sustainability. Um, And I don't mean that in just like the earth, you know, sustainable earth sense, even though I do dig into that as well. And I think that's important. Um, 
if we're going to have an earth for the next, you know, <laughs> um, but, but more so um, I'm okay. I don't even want to say I'm against, but I don't ever um, prescribe diets, you know, even these, even, even like keto or paleo, I just don't find them sustainable for people. So I really just try to get people eating whole healthy foods and really an anti-inflammatory slash Mediterranean style diet. That's how I eat. Um, that's what I find is going to be the most sustainable, sustainable and doable and realistic for most people. Yeah, I think that that I think that's I think it's important to understand the difference between diet and lifestyle. And there's a reason that like whole 30 is called whole 30 and not whole 60. It's because you can do it for 30 days and then you're like, want a glass of wine. It's like, it's like, you know, there's a difference with that. I think you can learn principles from things. And that's one of the things that we talk about a lot with people is consistency. And that's the most important thing behind anything, right? If you're mm-hmm. going to do a three-day juice fast, that's great, but that's three days out of 365. That's three days out of your entire life. Right. If you're not going to be consistent with your habits, you think that three days is going to cure you, cure yourself. It's just not. It's just not the way it is. So this, right. the sustainable, the consistent side of it, I think, is is everything. And then just doing that in in a holistic way that fuels the rest of your life is is super important. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, the cleanse. Again, when I was younger, I probably experimented with that stuff more. Like, I'll go dairy free. I'll do gluten free. I'll do this. I'll do that. And again, it it is important, I think, for people to experiment just to see how different people react with their body. But as far as like being so overly restrictive about food, certain foods and groups and stuff like that, I'm not a huge fan with myself. You know. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you have a, a quote on your website, which I love in it's simple. And I want you to explain why you believe this, but it's feeling like a badass is your birthright. So <laughs> dive into what that means. Um, you know, uh, this is kind of just the work I've been doing the last four or five years is, um, speaking on women's empowerment specifically. So yes, everyone, every gender, I do believe you have that birthright to feel like a badass, but specifically for women, I've just, um, been learning so much and, um, you know, been exposed to so many different groups of women and women of different backgrounds. And I just feel that, um, not everyone believes that. And, that's kind of my, what I've taken on as my mission is to help people develop their confidence and feeling like a badass. To me, feeling like a badass is really just feeling confident, owning your power, um, going after your goals, you know, just living the life that makes you happy. And, uh, so many people just don't believe that they deserve that probably because of things that have happened in their past, probably because, you know, they've been treated a certain way and they just didn't have the goal, the, um, skill set to deal with that at the time. Um, so, so that's what I'm just working on helping specifically women, but you know, all people, <laughs> all people that want to listen, um, that you have that inside of you, you have that inner badass, and I'm going to teach you how to release it. Yeah. I love the term. Cause it's just such a strong term. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not just like, Oh, you should be able to defend yourself. It's like, no, you should be a crusher. <laughs> like, I think we need more of that. We just need people to be like, yo, we can do shit and like we can be strong and work hard and 
put forth all that effort. And so I just love like, I think that term, it, it's just like a, it's so true. Yes. Um, our motto at Live Better is to have the best day ever, every single day. And the meaning behind that is honestly more in the creation of that. Um, it's understanding your emotion, understanding that the world doesn't happen to you, but it happens around you and you can choose how you react to anything. And yeah. so we love to ask every one of our guests is if you could wake up tomorrow, the COVID sanctions are released, you can do whatever you want. What mm. does Jennifer's best day ever look like? Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll wake up. I'll do my meditation like I do every morning. Um, I'll have a great cup of coffee like I do every morning and chill with my cat for like five good minutes. Um, and then, um, my husband and I will probably go and go for on a California road trip somewhere to where we can hike and, um, have good food afterwards, good food and good wine. Yeah. And stay somewhere in a nice, like lodge in the woods. I don't know. <laughs> That's just, or like great to me. That sounds, that sounds like a win. Let me know when you're going. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's an interesting thing to contemplate because like your you know, it was your answer was just simple. And it was like kind of understanding the simplicity and uh doing things you're already doing, which we find a lot of people that we interview say that. Um and so oh, it's, really? it's it's good to see that like you're already doing that stuff. It's like yeah. that's great. That's um, cool. What I didn't mention was work, which is weird because <laughs> I actually do enjoy my work. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. I think that that's a, it's a key part of it. Like if it was a Wednesday and you had to work and you were doing all that stuff, it's, you know, that's great. Yeah. Um, so if I had to work and it was the perfect day, it starts the same. And then at some point I'm with people like physically, you know, um, leading a workshop or giving a talk somewhere with loads and loads of people <laughs> in person. Oh, <laughs> uh, we can't wait to get back to that. It's going to be uh that's going to be a truly wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, do you have any final statements that you would like to say to our listeners? We have women, men, we have all ages. Um, what would be kind of like your sign off? Um, you know, I think what you just said is, yeah, it is your birthright to feel like a badass. So if you're going through a day or a season of suck right now, just know that it does come to an end. Things will get better. Um, you have the power to, to, you know, create your, create your world and create your mood, at least that, and change your state when you really need to. So, um, I know this is kind this is a really rough time for so, so many people out there. So I feel you, um, and I'm with you and let me know if there's anything I could do to help you. Um, but really, manage your mind, your mindset and manage your state is going to be the most powerful thing that you can do right now. Yeah, we could not agree more with that. Uh, where can people find you if they're looking for coaching or workshops or uh, online with, with your five-day program? Where, where can people reach out? Yeah. If you can go to my website, jennifercassetta.com. Two N's, two S's, two T's. That's pretty much how you spell my name. Um, <laughs> nice. There's a free, um, you know, it'll be a pop-up. You'll see that that phrase being about us or feeling like about us is your birthright. And you can sign up for a 
free five-day confidence course. Well, you'll get one email per day for five days. Um, and I'll walk you through different exercises to help you manage your mindset, do all the things that I just talked about. Um, and it's fun and it's short. It'll take you like 20 to 30 minutes a day for five days. And then you'll have those skills for the rest of your life. Um, and then on social media, my most active is, um, Instagram, which is Jen Cassetta. Easy. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think there's, there's so much to pull from this, whether it's, from the understanding of self-defense and, and martial art to the uh, what I really liked is like kind of what you closed off with is just how important mindset is and, and reaction and controlling emotional state. I think something that's commonly overlooked. And I think one of the main things is people don't understand that that takes a lot of practice. And you said that you start every day with meditation. It's something that Jason and I preach a lot about and talk a lot about how that's important and the consistency behind it. So that when situations come up, whether it's a massive pandemic or getting cut off in traffic, mm-hmm. you have a toolkit mentally to withstand that and to pivot and move and, and do what makes you happy. 100%. It's a muscle just like any other muscle that you're in the gym building. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jen. We really appreciate your time. Oh. Super good insight. And uh, we wish you the best day ever. Thank you so much.